In December, Governor Kathy Hochul announced the $10 billion public-private partnership to develop a new research and development center in Albany at the city's nanotech complex, which has the potential, according to the investment's backers, to make the region a focal point of chip research for the foreseeable future. To discuss the plans, we're joined in the Capitol Press Room studio by David Anderson, president of NY Creates, a state-run nonprofit supporting high-tech economic development initiatives, and owns and operates the Albany Nanotech site. Welcome back to the show, David. Thank you. And also with us is Kevin Eunice, the Executive Deputy Commissioner and Chief Operating Officer for Empire State Development, New York's top economic development agency. Welcome back, Kevin. Good to be here. Thanks. So the centerpiece of this public-private partnership, which includes Micron, IBM, and and Applied Materials, among others, seems to be the quote-unquote construction of a cutting-edge, high numerical aperture, extreme ultraviolet lithography center. So did I get most of those words, right? And can either of you translate that description into something a liberal arts major can understand? Sure. You got the words right. Cool. Uh, and really, it's it boils down to lithography. And lithography is really the backbone of semiconductor processing. It is, if you think of terms of a camera taking a picture, it's, it's what we use to print the circuitry on the wafer, on the chip. And so the better the resolution, the dense the feature sizes can be, the smaller the feature sizes. So extreme ultraviolet refers to the wavelength of what light used. It is an extreme ultraviolet, 13.5 nanometer wavelength of light, which is used to print the smallest circuitry in the world today. And remind us, Dave, when we're talking nanometers, what's the context we should be thinking about here? Very, very small. That's a technical term. <laughs> nano of nanometers, like a nano. Very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Very helpful, yeah. Kevin. Remember, liberal arts degree. Liberal arts degree. Exactly. So I describe this as the centerpiece of the investment. Is that a fair way to think about the center? It is, yes. I mean, the, the lithography, as I said, is the workhorse of processing a semiconductor chip, and this INA, the numerical aperture, is essentially how much of the light gets through the lens system. It's really mirrors in this case, but it really enables the resolution and the geometries sub nanometer printing of chips, which today's leading edge are printed at about three nanometers. The way I sort of think about it, the, the INA tool is one piece of the process for making the chips. And maybe one, maybe 10. There might be 100 steps in terms of depositing chemicals or what have you. It's one piece or maybe five piece parts of the process. But the analogy I used was if you're, you know, you're baking bread and your bread, you're making a different type of bread, you add increase your yeast level. It might change your temperature, right? It might change how long it's in the oven. It might change how much salt that goes into the dough. And the same is true with this high NAUV tool. So what happens when that light gets deposits a layer on, on the wafer has impacts on the wafer before it comes in. So you want to do what you do before it, what you do after. And so all the partners, folks like Applied Materials, Tokyo Electron, who don't make the tool, they don't make the EUV tool, but they make tools that will drive a wafer through the process. And so you say ASML is the only maker of the tool, but everybody in the whole process has to adjust their processes to make sure the chips are produced uh, with high quality and, and, and really efficiently. So that's why there's all these partners around it. So should we think of this as a research investment or is this a 
practical investment that the businesses involved are going to utilize or they're going to take the the product that, that's produced and incorporate it into their businesses? How should we think about it, Dave? It's actually both. It is primarily research and development activity in our site, but the learnings that they get on that tool set, uh, being able to build the chip or what they take back to their manufacturing facilities and, and put that process into manufacturing. So when we do research and development, it's not research for research sake, it's research and development of a new technology or new process that then ultimately gets put into the manufacturing line. But we're not, there's not a, it's not a manufacturing facility, no. right? So it's, but that's the unique thing about the, the New York Creates asset, the Albany Nanotech asset is, as Dave said, it's about producing R&D that can be taken and it's a, it's an industrial sort of yes. immediately go into, it's like a industrial kitchen, right? You, you, you learn how to make your thing here and you don't go and do further research. It's not like pie in the sky research. It's driving your actual construct, your manufacturing when you go back to your facility. Yeah, so we're, we're doing research and development about two to five years ahead of manufacturing. For example, in this particular case, Micron will be developing technologies that they will ultimately utilize in their clay facility. When they implement that manufacturing base, they will have the same tool set and be able to transfer the process directly onto their tool set. So I mentioned that this is a $10 billion public-private partnership with, I think, the state on the hook for about a billion dollars. So can either of you break down sort of the large expenditures here? Where is a lot of this money going? It's pretty simple. Uh, there's there's two main buckets. There is a half of the money, $500 million-ish, will be to construct this new clean room space, this new facility that will house the tool, but also the partners that come with the tool. And we talked about all the other partners that are part of it. Um, it will also be provide space to accommodate uh, the future NSTC, uh, National Semiconductor Technology Center. So that's about half of the money. The other half of the money will be for the tool uh, that will best be purchased from ASML, the only maker of this type of tool in the world. It's a and Dutch company, right? Dutch, yep, yep. And the ancillary sort of, there are things that have to go with it, right, that only ASML makes when you put the tool in the place. So it's about half and half tool, the clean room. Well, that's a billion dollars. This has been billed as a $10 billion partnership. So where are the other $9 billion coming from and going? The other $9 billion is the program activity that happens over the next 8 to 10 years with all of the partners uh, running process through the fab, the employment base that will be drawn into the facility, and the expanded program opportunities that we will have with those partners and others as we go forward. And so it really is an additional $9 billion of spend in the facility that uh, grows the economic opportunity for the region. So does the $9 billion include any sort of capital investments? It does some. Uh, it, it's some of it yet to find because as we build this new facility and, and look at next generations of technologies, new tool sets will come in there that are being developed today by Applied Materials, Tokyo Electron, and others that uh, will fill out the rest of the space in that facility. Yes. And in terms of the state's investment, where does that money come from? What are the different pots that we're drawing from to actually find a billion dollars? Half of the money was from sort of existing economic development resources in last year's budget, and then the other half is in the governor's executive budget this year. And because this is capital, does this mean we're actually 
getting money out of our wallet and paying for this, or is this money that we can borrow because it is a, a capital investment theoretically with long-term benefits? Yeah, yeah, these are depreciable assets, so they will be funded, I, I believe, uh, with with debt issuance. And what's the timeline for the state spending this money and realizing the creation of the project? The money from the state will be spent over the next uh, three to four years. Uh, we are beginning construction of the facility very soon. We are drilling core samples in the parking lot right now. We we putting fencing up uh, on February 19th, and then we expect shovels in the ground perhaps in the March time frame. Uh, we need to have the facility completed by the end of 2025 because that's the date of shipment of the tool from ASML. So the high-end AEUV tool will be shipping uh, end of 2025, and then we'll fill out the rest of the equipment around the fab in 2026. So it's my understanding that the new ASML machine is supposed to be utilized in commercial chip making by 2025. So are there any concerns about the industry and research passing us by as we spend the couple of years it takes to actually build this? Or are we confident about the long-term viability of something like this? We're very confident of the long-term viability. EUV is used in processing today, the low NA EUV, if you will. And uh, it is kind of the workhorse for leading edge technologies by Intel, TSMC, Samsung, and others. And as we go to the high NA tool, we actually have tool number six in the world coming into our facility. And it will be the only uh, open access public-private facility that has a production-grade tool. There is a development tool being installed in Europe that others can uh, develop technology, but uh, Intel TSMC will be receiving, Samsung will be receiving the first tools into their labs, but they won't actually go into production until a year, year or two later. There's an EUV tool on the campus today that has been there since 2006 and is still being used to drive the cutting edge development today. So in terms of who can utilize the ASML machine, do you have to be in on the ground floor? Did you have to be with uh, the governor and Senator Schumer in December in order to get a piece of the pie later? Or will people be able to uh, partake in the fun after the fact? Like all of our research line, uh, Others have access through New York Creates, and we can uh, provide access to anybody, essentially, that wants to have access through the, through New York Creates. Of course, IBM and, and Micron and Applied Materials and Tal have, have certain levels of time on the tool, and we'll have access directly in the beginning. But we do have a pretty significant level of capacity on the tool that will be available to others. I believe the governor has billed this as something that will create more than 700 jobs. Give a sense of what those jobs will be? Yeah, I mean, on our side, you know, we'll have jobs in nearly every category. We'll, we'll have operators on the tools that are in the new facility, facilities management, uh, all of the things that we would have for any new semiconductor fabrication uh, facility. But we'll also have additional engineering staff and, and technicians and others that are working directly in the process. And then our partners, of course, will have uh, their technical staff there as well. If we had to fill those jobs today, do you feel like the workforce is out there in New York to uh, take on all of those range of jobs, or do we still need to recruit from, say, outside of the Empire State to fill those types of jobs? Well, I think uh, it's a mix, really. I think that the recruits are there, especially for the fab 
the operators on, on the tools and the facilities management and those types of jobs technicians are in the state uh, we've got a really good program on recruiting and have been very successful in retention of of those types of jobs here at Albany uh, Albany Nanotech and you know as we look to the more technical staff I think we will bring them from across the state uh, there's a lot of STEM graduates uh, and uh, experienced fo folks in the industry across the state, but I, there will be others that come in from outside the state, certainly. And after a quick break, we'll continue our discussion with David Anderson, president of NY Creates, a state-run nonprofit which owns and operates the Albany Nanotech site, and Kevin Eunice, chief operating officer for Empire State Development. When we get back, we'll have more on the new public-private partnership plan for Albany Nanotech, which is getting a $1 billion state investment to expand its cutting-edge chip research capacity, and was announced back in December by Governor Kathy Hochul. This is... We don't do anything small here. I mean, $10 billion, think of that scale. This historic investment will establish the next generation research and development center right here, right here in Albany at the nanotech complex, the most advanced in the country. It'll fund the construction of cutting edge equipment, the first and only of its kind in North America. And you ready for the name? I have to ask who came up with this name. Raise your hand if you really want to. High numerical aperture extreme ultraviolet lithography cluster. Okay? <laughs> and don't ask me to say that twice. <laughs> business agency or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about a public-private partnership to develop a new research and development center in Albany at the city's nanotech complex. And our guests are David Anderson, president of NY Creates, a state-run nonprofit supporting high-tech economic development initiatives and owns and operates Albany Nanotech. And our other guest is Kevin Eunice, the executive deputy commissioner and chief operating officer for Empire State Development. Do we as a state need to double down on ensuring that people are being trained in the relevant fields or going to school for the relevant background in order to fill these jobs, or are we comfortable bringing those people in from out of state? It's a great question, and part of this uh, activity is really focused on workforce development. And so it's not just research development, research and development, it's workforce, it's education, and sustainability are the primary focus of this new expansion that we're undertaking. And the workforce programs are across the state. Of course, we have very close programs with CINE system, but also with other research universities across the state, as well as the community colleges bringing in the technicians that we need. So yes, it is expanding that activity across New York. Yeah, we, we definitely, you know, we talked about this last year around the Micron project. It's the same with with this project. We need to continue to invest in workforce development. We've done a bunch of Micron-adjacent investments over the last year in terms of the advanced manufacturing. Uh, the governor just introduced OnRamp, which is a model that would really focus on providing 
technician level jobs for, for disadvantaged populations is really neat program based out of its model that's our program in, in Buffalo called Northland. And, and so we're trying to bring that, that model down the thruway and really take advantage of this opportunity. But yes, workforce is, is the, probably the most important thing we need to, to succeed at for all of these projects and, and continue. I, I think of this opportunity, you know, you bring in 700 more people that just creates the churn, right? That that other companies are gonna they're gonna steal from each other. It creates that critical mass. You know, one of the reasons they chose New York was what was here today and, and the, the capacity and the workforce that was here on, on the campus. And the same is true for, for other companies. So bring a lot of smart people who are really smart in this space, it's it's just creates a, a an ecosystem that's critical for long term success. Yeah, I think if you think of it in terms of the research we do as the seed for the technologies that go into manufacturing, the workforce programs that we have are the seed for developing the talent that will go to support Micron as they build their fabs, Global as they expand, and other companies in the ecosystem that come in to support those entities. Is there an assumption that this facility is going to lead to other manufacturing development in, in New York? Are we anticipating the next Micron to locate in New York because of this? Or, or do we think this is just something that's going to be utilized by the existing players in New York, like Micron, which has already sort of staked its claim in central New York? I, I think we hope that it will continue to drive manufacturing, but it also strengthens the presence of our partners. Micron, as Dave said, will utilize the research on this tool to drive their manufacturing. So it it makes them stronger. It is a critical R&D and smart people as sort of core infrastructure for this industry. And so as we want to succeed with global, we want to succeed with you know the folks in, in Syracuse with Micron and on Semi. These companies, again, creating that churn that they'll benefit from both the R&D and from the smart people and, and all those ancillary benefits. So is there hope more more manufacturing? Absolutely, um, but also to strengthen the ecosystem for our existing manufacturers. So what happens if the $9 billion in private investment that we've talked about is never materialized? Do any of these businesses pay a potential penalty for not living up to these promises? Do they get you know a worse parking spot at the nano center, or do they have to actually give the state some money? How do we think about that? Well, I mean, they would definitely be parking here down by the Capitol if they didn't meet their jobs, that's mm-hmm. for sure. In each one of these agreements, since ESD's been involved in this portfolio, there's always an enunciation of obligations and an enunciation of repercussions for those. It's a different model. It's not like the Excelsior where strictly pay for performance. This investment is over the next three or four years and the commitment's over the next eight to 10 years, right? So each year they meet their commitments, their potential clawback, if you will, is decreased. So, But th- there are actually schedules that will say you have to pay X if you don't meet your job commitments at different times uh, or, or your investment commitments. So yes, there's absolutely repercussions for those companies commensurate with the size of their commitments. Was there discussions with Micron when we were in the process of landing them about developing this some point in the future? They came to Albany Now Tech back when we were negotiating. When I was in discussions with them and negotiating, we're getting toward the finish line, and I can see that this is going to come. And I said, well, you know, tell me really why New York? And there was a number of reasons, but among them, 
you know, by name was Albany Nanotech. They saw an opportunity to continue to drive their R&D, their R&D in this industry and continuing to be at the cutting edge of production is critical to survival. And, and they saw a real opportunity to do that here. So that was one of the three or four things they said, these are the reasons we're coming to New York. But in order to get Micron, did we have to tell them, hey, a couple of years from now, we're going to have this great announcement in December that you're really going to love? No, no. No, actually, after they made their announcement, we had many meetings with Micron talking about the possibilities of what we could collectively do. And at the end, we, we felt that this was the most efficient and effective program that could lead to technology that goes into clay eventually. So the federal government is looking to launch a national semiconductor technology center, which I think is what Kevin referred to when he broke out the NSTC acronym. What does this development mean for our potential chances to be the anchor hub of that center? We certainly already have the largest and most advanced 300 millimeter wafer processing capability in a public-private entity, an open access entity in the nation today. This new facility and uh, and new capabilities we're putting in place put us at the very leading edge uh, of technology. So as I mentioned earlier, lithography is the backbone of processing. We have everything from eyeline, which is another wavelength of lithography, that is used for packaging applications all the way through the stages of litho down to the now the high NA EUV system. So it gives us a very broad range of capabilities and keeps us at the leading edge, which will be used in manufacturing for years to come. And so we absolutely have the most advanced uh, semiconductor R&D center in the U.S. When you talk about the NSTC and the CHIPS Act, so there's $52 billion dollars it came about for a couple of reasons, right? There was the supply chain constraints around COVID and the difficulty of getting chips to critical U.S. industries. And I think a recognition of the dependence upon foreign manufacturing of semiconductors. And then the need to maintain and increase the U.S. technological advantage. So you have roughly $39, $40 billion for manufacturing. And then you had about $11 billion for the NSTC. The, the sort of implications around this tool from a national security. So ASML is the only maker of this tool. This particular tool is a critical path tool for every advanced manufacturer of semiconductors in the world. It cannot be sold in China at the moment. So that the, the national security implications of this tool and, and, and therefore the tool being here, right? Why did the federal government and make these investments or why are they making these investments for a lot of reasons bring manufacturing back to the u.s maintain technological supremacy and this tool is a critical path for that technological supremacy and having it here in this public private open source space it's unlike anything else in the nation and i think we had a very strong case to make around significant investment from the nstc here but this just further strengthens that and you know as senator schumer has said he fully expects the center to be here. Now, I don't know. Ultimately, we haven't seen what that looks like, but I think we do reasonably expect to have a substantial portion of that investment, um, multiple billions of dollars from the federal government here in Albany. So if not the anchor, we could at least be a hub of the center. Well, I hope to be the center. But uh, worst case scenario. Yeah, worst case. There's just nothing like it. We had a Taiwanese delegation here last year, and one of the guys took me aside and was like, this is your secret weapon. This is this campus and what the partnerships here is your secret weapon. 
it shouldn't be a secret, right? And and we've had folks from all over the country come and tour the facility, and every time the same takeaway is, oh my God, this is amazing. I can't believe you have this asset here that's available. So federal government, CHIPS office, they want to move quick. So you start building clean room. We have clean rooms today they can access. We have started breaking ground on the next clean room. So in two years, we're going to have 50,000 square feet more. If they make an award for somebody tomorrow or next month or next year, and then they start the process, that's they're years before they can actually start getting into clean room and doing the work they want to do. We're days from being able to do it. And it just puts us in a, and it would put the chips office in a much more advanced position to quickly get that technological research moving. I want to pivot to the idea of energy, and I'm curious if this is supposed to be an energy-intensive project, and, and if so, are there plans to offset the potential carbon footprint of something like this, given the state's uh, desire to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions? We are building the facility to be LEED certified, and LEED is uh, Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, and that's a certification that make, takes use of a re- renewable energy, water reuse, uh, chemical and waste reduction, and so forth. So we will be, be building it as a LEED certified uh, facility. And in addition to that, with the types of facility we have, we are implementing some sustainability programs to look at material usage and replacements. So it is really focused on environmental sustainability. I, th- I think about the sustainability from sort of three levels, the, the two that Dave talked about, you know, building a facility as sustainability as possible. So we, uh, we're we going to purchase RECs with NIPA to cover any renewable energy credits associated with this facility. Then there's the operations. How do we, the actual making of the chips, making sure. But the research programs that Dave talked about, it's how everybody can make chips more sustainably, reusing chemicals, less energy. And then the other thing that just has such an outsized implication in terms of energy use is, when we talk about these smaller and smaller chips, they're actually more efficient chips. So uh, when they're closer together, I know it sounds crazy, but when you decrease from eight nanometers to six nanometers, the space that that electricity has to travel and therefore the amount of electricity necessary to do the work is decreased, right? So these more efficient chips then go into your cars. They go into the wind turbines. They go into solar panels, right? The more efficient we can make the chips and the more efficient the chips are has dramatic implications on the energy profile around anything that uses chips, which is virtually everything electronic. Well, those are long-term benefits, but in terms of the actual facility itself, do you have a sense of how much power it's going to need to actually run? We've made that assessment, and it, it adds incremental power to our usage, but it's uh, it's not substantial. We're you know going through the uh, certifications today. Uh, you say not substantial. I mean, how should we think about it? Is it like building a new hospital? Is it like adding another house to a block? What, what's sort of the comparison that you might make in terms of the energy demand? It's probably like adding a few houses to a block. It's not building a new hospital. While it's a large expansion, it, it's a single lithography tool, and it's the supporting equipment around it. So we're not building a mega fab, you know, that would be a large consumer of more power. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank our guests. They are David Anderson, president of NY Creates. Thank you, David. Thank you. And we've also been joined in the studio by Kevin Eunice, the executive deputy commissioner and chief operating officer for Empire State Development. Thanks for visiting us again, Kevin. Thanks, David. 
Support for the Capital Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.